What do we mean when we say that someone wants to have her cake and eat it too? The phrase actually makes more sense the way it was originally written. For whatever reason, we've all been saying it wrong for so long. Originally, the phrase was the other way around. A man cannot eat his cake and have it still, it went. And it makes sense. If I want to eat my cake, I'll have to accept that I'll no longer have it. But if my heart is set on simply having a cake, I can't dare to eat it. I won't get on my soapbox and champion the lost cause of fixing the phrase. Uh, We're all going to keep saying it backwards anyways, and there's no changing that. But honestly, it really does work both ways. It's saying you can't have both of these things at the same time. What are we saying when a person wants to have her cake and eat it too? Aren't we really saying that they're greedy? They really want to have two things that can't possibly both be had at the same time. But they don't care, they still want it. Jesus told the parable that we just read to warn against greed. Someone had come to him looking for him to settle a family dispute about an inheritance, and he probably figured that Jesus would side with him and that he'd be able to use that to force his brother to do what he wanted. And whether or not his brother was being fair, Jesus identified a deeper issue of greed and refused to be drawn into the dispute. Instead, he told this story. There was a rich man who had an unusually abundant harvest, to the point that he didn't even have the room to store all his crops. He seemed to be a wise man, because he came up with a really solid plan for his future. He would just build larger barns to store his riches, and in turn he'd be able to retire comfortably and enjoy a life of relaxation and leisure. But when God speaks to him in the story, he calls him a fool. (laughs) Even though everything was all set up for him to have the life that we all hope to have, and who doesn't try to set themselves up for a good retirement if they can? He had ignored one important thing. The problem was that while he made all these good plans for his earthly life, it seems like he had neglected his spiritual life. God tells him that he's going to lose his life that very night. What would happen to all the stuff that he worked so hard for? What would happen to him? Jesus gives us the moral of the story himself. This will be how it is with anyone who stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. All his wealth went to waste. And his future for eternity was no good. Now, Jesus directs this story against greed, but I think it's safe to argue that greed is really just the smaller side effect of a bigger problem. Bad priorities. Now, prioritizing is just deciding what matters to us and what we're willing to sacrifice for. After all, resources are limited. I can't eat my cake and still have it. There's only a finite amount of cake. If I want to go on a fancy vacation, I might need to cut back on going out to eat because I only have so much income. If I really want to develop a specific skill or talent, I should cut back on scrolling because I only have so much time to use. Jesus' conclusion to this parable shows us that he told this story to illustrate how foolish it is to sacrifice spiritual health for earthly things. Being greedy for earthly things is self-defeating and foolish because it comes at the sacrifice of eternal things. So having good priorities obviously matters, right? When you're dealing with a limited resource, whether it's money or time or anything else that we might have to choose how to spend. The main point of Ash Wednesday is to face the fact that there is a limit to a resource that we don't really want to admit is limited. Our lives. Death isn't really something that we like to think about. 
Modern culture, especially our Western culture, has done everything in its power to remove the thought of death from our experience. On social media, people even hesitate to use words like die or death or kill out of fear that the algorithms won't promote their content. After all, these are too offensive. Death is an offensive thought, and we try to relegate it to the furthest recesses of our mind, keep it out of sight as much as possible, until we simply can't avoid it any longer. But the truth is that we are ashes and dust, and that because of our sins, we'll return to ashes and dust again someday. It's uncomfortable to think about and unpleasant, sure, but it's necessary because aren't we so often guilty of wanting to eat our cake and have it too? Don't we like to say that we're Christian, claim the faith, expect God to love and forgive us, but then also want to ignore our faith and spiritual matters so that we can pursue worldly things like everyone else? Ash Wednesday is like the financial wake-up call. If you don't stop spending money on stupid purchases, you're not going to be able to afford that big thing that you're really trying to save up for. It's like the realization I hope we all have every so often. If you don't stop scrolling on your phone, you're not going to get enough sleep or accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. It's just a bigger wake-up call than that. What did the rich man have to show for all his wealth? At the end, nothing. If only he had known all along, right? How would he have lived differently? Maybe he still would have been wealthy. Maybe he still would have made wise plans for that wealth, but he wouldn't have neglected his faith while he did. Jesus loves you and me so much that he gives us this wake-up call. Just like the church in Sardis, he calls us to wake up and realize what's really important. He's not condemning wealth or financial planning or good time management or anything else like that. He's simply and lovingly trying to lead us to realign our priorities with his Because at the end of the day, what are all the riches in the world if you only die and leave them behind anyways? What are all the experiences in the world if they're only memories? What is anything at all worth if at the end you leave it all behind and face God's judgment unprepared? There's nothing more important than the gift of faith that God the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart. Do you realize what an advantage you have? You don't need to have this sudden terrible realization when it's far too late. You already know. You have this gift of faith, and Jesus wants you to strengthen it, no matter how weak or strong it might already be. And to do that, you're going to have to be a little bit greedy, but greedy in a good way. Be greedy for the things that strengthen your faith. Be greedy for the means of grace, God's word, and sacraments. It's okay to be greedy for these things. There's enough to go around. Make your financial plans to the best you can. Of course. Spend your time as wisely as you can. Absolutely. But if you sacrifice for one thing, and one thing only, and you will have to sacrifice, let it be this. Let it be time alone with your Savior and his word. Let it be time spent with your God in prayer. Let it be eagerly coming to worship every time you possibly can because you know that God promises to be with us, present with us every time we gather in his name. Let it be taking advantage of your opportunities to receive Jesus' own body and blood that he offers you for the forgiveness of your sins and strengthening of your faith. It's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? When you hear Jesus' wake-up call and recognize your own mortality, but not just that, recognize God's wonderful love and patience and promises, it's only natural to have the right priorities. This Lent, we have that opportunity all over again, to spend a season in repentance 
not just outwardly, but in our hearts, getting our priorities back in line and looking forward to our Savior's resurrection. Amen.